Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, good morning. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I hope, I trust. I, uh, I, we did. I was cooking a lot. I cook a lot in our house, and I made, uh, this year, my second year in a row, I made two turkeys, one baked, one fried for <laughs> the options, and it was, it was crazy. And my sweet potatoes turned out terrible. Um, <laughs> Turkeys were perfect, sweet potatoes not so much. But hey, life happens. Um, but it's that, it's that season, right? It's that time of the year where it just builds and it gets exciting and, and, and we love it. And, and some of you maybe as adults, you're like, not for me, it doesn't for me. And I'm like, man, no, for me, if anything but, it's like it's better than ever. Because when I was a kid, you know, when you're a kid, it's just amazing. When, when I became an adult, when my boys were little, it was just all the more, it was like, oh, this is so cool to watch them. So like, but I want to take you back. I want to, let's go in the way back machine for a minute, all right? Let's, we'll cue something up just to, just to, just to make you feel like way back. So somewhere around 1985-ish, all right? Uh, back, yeah, yeah, right. Carter administration ended. And uh, just, some, just some old Christmas music to get you in the mood. And... And, and, and I am somewhere between four and five, somewhere in there. It's my first Christmas I remember, like I have memory of. And I remember uh, we, we had this tradition for many years. We would go to Nana's house. That's my grandma on my mom's side. And now she has seven brothers and sisters. There's seven of them total, right? Seven brothers and sisters, okay? And they all had kids. And now all their kids have kids. But, 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 but I mean, 50 to 100 people packed in this house on the south side, about six blocks from Comiskey Park, which is what it's called. And uh, we would, I don't know, we, they would wait till somewhere around midnight to open presents, something like that. That's what it felt like. Um, uh, but you just, you just watch this tree with presents that every year went a little further out, you know? And we got a present when we were little, we got a present from every aunt and uncle. So you would walk away with a garbage bag filled with presents as a little kid. And it was just amazing. And then we'd drive home. And, and then that night, and that time we lived in Evergreen Park, which is, if you don't know, it's just on the south side on the edge of the city there. And, and I remember the first Christmas, I came downstairs. And the tree is there. And the, the cookies, the cookie. my parents did it up. Um, Nobody, yeah, everybody here is a little bit older. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> I don't know what your home traditions are. I just don't want to throw off your kids. All right, so so they would, I mean, they'd do it up. Like, they'd put, like, paw prints around and stuff. And then they'd, they'd leave a note, you know. And then, and then, sure enough, the cookies and the milk are partially eaten or fully eaten. And the crumbs are there. And, and under, the, under the tree this year, this is at a time when Voltron was a thing. Anybody here remember Voltron? kind of made a resurgence right okay all right you can kill it but 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 volt there was a voltron castle 
under the tree with like action figures set up and things like that, doing things. And I just remember like, oh, Santa came. This is amazing. Like I was just blown away. You know, like this is the greatest day ever. This is unbelievable. And my parents, I mean, they did. They, they did Christmas right. They did it really well. They just did an awesome job. And, and, and uh, I, remember, I remember one year coming down, and there was, like, an inflatable tent set up, which was one of my gifts, like, in the room. Like, there's a tent inside, you know. Uh, it was just, just awesome. And, and there's, like, this buildup, this anticipation. You, you know, in your kid's eyes, or when you were a kid, the wonder, you just the majesty of, like, one day there was nothing here, and the next day it's just filled with presence and, and joy and life and like, what did you do today? Like, nothing, nothing, I did nothing, but I'm like getting showered with blessings and gifts and food and, and like, no chores today, really? Not one? Yes, this is the greatest day of the year. You know, you say your birthday's like that, but for me, like, birthdays were, birthdays were still kind of a regular day to like a point in the day, Right? You know, unless it's like a really big birthday, you know. But now I'm like 42. What, it, what It's nothing, you know. It's like I, I want to go backwards. Not <laughs> That day is more of just like a march towards the end. It just doesn't feel as good, <laughs> all right. Um, and, and, but it was just awesome. Like, but the whole season, and, and when I was a kid, it's like up until that point, it like grows and it grows and it grows but it's also like, you're like, is it here yet? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? You know, do you know what I'm talking about? If you have kids, you know, because you're living it again. Is it Christmas not glory? She's a sweetheart. And they're home because she's got a little cough. But um, uh, she, she just, every day, like, is it Christmas today? Is today Christmas? She's three, by the way. Um, is, is today Christmas? Then it's Christmas, right? Put the tree up. It's Christmas now, right? <laughs> Right? Why? Just that, that hope that this awesome day is coming. She doesn't even know what it means. She just knows, like, something about it sounds great. Christmas. She doesn't remember to last year. She doesn't know. But she knows it's this time of joy and celebration and, and wonder. And, and all of that wonder is, is, a, is an active verb where hope is, a, is like a prepositional verb of something that you're going towards. Wonder is like the fulfillment from hope. And that's the first thing we celebrate in Advent is hope that we look to. You see, when, when you have, if you have like a Bible with you, there, the, the word that's used in hope uh, in the Bible again over and over talking about Jesus coming, hope is used often. But not only that, just referring to God but if you have your Bible and you have paper, an actual physical paper Bible and you flip from Malachi to Matthew, from Old Testament to New Testament, it takes you about a second. But that's about 400 years. 400 years of God just going quiet. There had been no prophet. There was no, see, the, the Old Testament had prophets and, and priests and kings but the thing is, they lost their king because they were, they, they were sinful, and God said, hey, judgment's going to come, and, and that's what happened, and then they were kicked out of their land, and then were in exile, and then they were taken over, uh, and, he, and, and at first, at, at, 
towards the end of the Old, uh, Old Testament, the Greeks basically took over. And by the time Jesus shows up, the Romans have now taken over. And they're living under occupation. And they're, 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 they're not able to be who they're, they want to be as a people. But, so they can't have priests anymore. The Greeks wouldn't let them practice it. That's where we get Hanukkah from. Because uh, the Maccabees, uh, Matthias Maccabee and others, stood up and said, we're, we're going to fight to be able to keep our worship. When the Romans showed up on the scene, uh, they, didn't, they didn't prohibit them. They just said, you're going to bow to us. You're still under our control, but you can do the things you want within what we'll allow you to do. Sounds familiar. Okay, so, um, so, so, <laughs> uh, too soon? So, um, so, so it's this, this, this moment, right, of God just being silent. God hasn't said anything for years. And then, out of nowhere, God to, to, to a priest in the old, in, in, the, in the temple, who would, be, uh, who would become John the Baptist's father, and then to Mary and Joseph, we hear about hope. Matter of fact, here's a good explanation um, of what the word hope means in the in the Bible. Take a look at this. So let's say you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. You might be giddy or excited or maybe unsure, but most of us know that experience. We call it hope. It's a state of anticipation and it's crucial for healthy human existence. And it's a really important concept in the Bible. In fact, there are many words for hope in the ancient languages of the Bible and they're all fascinating. In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words translated as hope. The first is yachal, which means simply to wait for. Like in the story of Noah and the ark, as the floodwaters recede, Noah had to yachal for weeks. The other Hebrew word is kava, which also means to wait. It's related to the Hebrew word kav, which means cord. When you pull a kav tight, you produce a state of tension until there's release. That's kava, the feeling of tension and expectation while you wait for something to happen. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a farmer who plants vines and kavahs for good grapes. Or the prophet Micah talks about farmers who both kavah and yachal for morning dew to give moisture to the land. So in biblical Hebrew, hope is about waiting or expectation. But waiting for what? In the period of Israel's prophets, as the nation was sinking into self-destruction, Isaiah said, at this moment, the Lord's hiding his face from Israel, so I will kavah for him. The only hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope for God himself. You find the same notion of hope all over the book of Psalms, where these words appear over 40 times. In almost every case, what people are waiting for is God. Like in Psalm 130, the poet cries out from a pit of despair, I kavah for the Lord, let Israel yachal for the Lord, because he's loyal and will redeem Israel from its sins. Biblical hope is based on a person, which makes it different from optimism. Optimism is about choosing to see, in any situation, how circumstances could work out for the best. But biblical hope is not focused on circumstances. In fact, hopeful people in the Bible often recognize there's no evidence things will get better, but you choose hope anyway. Like the prophet Hosea. He lived in a dark time when Israel was being oppressed by foreign empires, and he chose hope when he said God could turn this valley of trouble into a door of hope, like the day when Israel came up from the land of Egypt. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of the Exodus, 
and he could do so again. So it's God's past faithfulness that motivates hope for the future. You look forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing other than God's character. It's like the poet of Psalm 39 who says, And now, O Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yachal. In the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus cultivated the similar habit of hope. They believed that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was God's surprising response to our slavery to evil and death. The empty tomb opened up a new door of hope, and they used the Greek word elpis to describe this anticipation. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus' resurrection opened up a living hope, that people can be reborn, to become new and different kinds of humans. More than once, the Apostle Paul says the good news about Jesus announces the elpis of glory. In both cases, this elpis is based on a person, the risen Jesus, who has overcome death. And this hope wasn't just for humans. The apostles believed that what happened to Jesus in the resurrection was a foretaste of what God had planned for the whole universe. In Paul's words, it's a hope that creation itself will be liberated from slavery to corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. So Christian hope is bold, waiting for humanity and the whole universe to be rescued from evil and death. And some would say it's crazy. And maybe it is, but biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future that's as surprising as a crucified man rising from the dead. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait. That's what the biblical words for hope are all about. So Hebrews is a is a is a book in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus being the high priest. And basically saying we don't need a priest system anymore. Jesus is the priest. So we believe in it. We like we believe in spiritual leadership and spiritual authority, but not necessarily an intermediary. Like I'm not the one who stands between you and the Lord. Nothing stands between you and him. Jesus is that hope. So Hebrews chapter Chapter 6, verses 18 through 20 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And I want to read the amplified version real quick to you. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it's impossible for God to ever, ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out on it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very center of the presence within the veil. What we see in Scripture and the story of Jesus and and, in the story of Christmas is that Jesus is the hope for the soul. That Jesus is, well, first and foremost, that Jesus is faithful. So it talks about the order of Melchizedek. What does that mean? Well, Melchizedek is this priest way back in the early Old Testament. 
that was somehow considered like close and next to God, maybe, maybe an angel of the Lord. We don't really know, but, but this holy man of God that was held in high, high reverence. And that Jesus, so the Old Testament was built, it had this temple, right? We kind of treat things like that now, but it's not. Thank God, like, we can, in the, the, the most beautiful church or a gym, either way, we can experience God's amazing, holy presence because of Jesus. So in the Old Testament, there was this outer courtyard, an inner courtyard, and then an inner temple, and then the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And even the priests only went into the holy of holies like once a year. And that's where, you guys all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, 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 the thing that burned, melted their faces off? Okay, that was, that's the Ark of the Covenant. That's from the Old Testament. Steven Spielberg didn't make it up. Okay, and inside there was, was, was the law, the Ten Commandments, and several other things. But most of all, inside that Holy of Holies was not just was that kept there, but God's presence was tangibly, literally in the room. So much so that... that if a priest went in there and he wasn't clean before the Lord, he would tie a rope to his, to his ankle and then there were bells on his robe and if he went into the Holy of Holies with sin in his life, God's holiness would kill him and he'd drop dead. So if you heard bells and then a thud, pull the rope, okay? Because he's not coming out, not on his own. That's how holy and amazing God was. But the best part of the story of Jesus is we have this hope in Jesus that instead of us trying to get into the Holy of Holies and have some guy make it right for us and us do the right things, God then packages himself into an infant that somehow that perfect, amazing, awesome, eternal, giant God who holds the universe, who keeps it steady, right? If, if we were off just an inch, in any access in the universe, and even the best scientific minds can't explain why do things hold where they are in the universe. They don't really know. Their answer is, well, that's what sustains life. But that, 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 that's the what, not the how. That's not the why. Well, the why to sustain life, that's circular reasoning. No, 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 that, 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 that doesn't explain the author. How did it get there? That God who does that, who holds that universe, packages himself into an infant to then save us. That holy, eternal God in the order of Melchizedek, perfect priest, he's gone, shows up. When God has been silent, what seems like he has left us, he's gone, he's not there anymore, he shows he's faithful. I will come through. How many of you have ever experienced God's faithfulness when you thought it's over? It's not going to come through. We just experienced it this morning. All right? We, we're not done with the building fund. You can keep giving to that. It's not, it's not, no, we don't want any more money. No, no. Uh, 100000 is awesome. We'll not purchase a building. It gives us a, a spot to then apply for a loan towards building or land. But that, not only is that you being faithful, that is God being faithful. Right? 
in one year, this small startup church saved $100,000. That's the faithfulness of God. When everybody else would say, you can't do that, you're right, we can't, but God can. God wouldn't become an infant, a baby. Let me, let me tell you. We see God's faithfulness when we don't tell him what he can't do. Let me say it another way. We see God as faithful. We see our hope fulfilled when we know that he can do anything. That's what the manger tells us over and over. God can do anything. See, we all, we all want God to like part waters and walk us across. And we all want God to bring fire down from heaven on our enemies in traffic when we're stuck in the Dan Ryan. We all want that, right? God burn them up so that I might be on time. You know, uh, we, we, all, we all want something, uh, we all want to uh, take out of my enemy, you know, make sure they vote the way I want. But we often don't expect God's faithfulness to look like what it looks like. Let me tell you, you can have hope that God is faithful to you, and he will be, and it may not be what you look like, what, what you want it to look like. It may not look anything like what you want it to look like. You see, this story doesn't make a lot of sense. Why didn't Jesus come? There's, a, there's an old for him song. If Alan can pull it up, that'd be great. I don't know if he can. It's, it's for him, the number four. It's very clever. For him, right? I'm going in the way back machine again. I'm sorry. Uh, but I am over 40, so you're going to have to deal. Um, uh, but... There's this song called A Strange Way to Save the World. Does anybody here remember that song? Yeah, all right. See, and she's not over 40, right? So, right? And it was this great song. And, and, and the chorus of that song, it's a Christmas song. It said, it said, like, this is such a strange way to save the world. I'm sure it must have been what, Why? Why would you show up here like this? How? Like, there, 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 there's, there's leaders. There's priests. There's, there, there, there's kings. Why this? And God doesn't fully answer that question. But what he does say is, you can hope in me because I am faithful. When it seems like God won't say anything, he speaks but this time he doesn't speak with a loud voice or a cloud. He speaks in the cry in a small town in Bethlehem as a baby. And that cry says to the world, hope has come. Hope is here. Some of us give up hope. Thanks. Dad. Some of us say, I, I, I can't, I can't. I can't hope like that. When I get my hopes up, they get dashed. Then your hopes are in the wrong things. Hope in Jesus. Let me tell you something. I, I, I have to hang out with pastors often. <laughs> I don't mean our pastors. I mean outside our church. And I love them. A lot of them are great men and women of God. 
But one thing they often get wrong, we, I should say we, I want to say they because I get it right. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Uh, one thing we often get wrong is just making it about like if we do the right things, then we'll create the right cultures and have the right leadership and, and do the right budgets. And this isn't like, man, that's garbage. I've seen guys who are awful have big ministries. Just like, you're just like, how in the world? <laughs> and, and, then, and then the other way too, guys who are amazing and they, they never get as big as they're supposed to be. Anybody know that feeling? Your best efforts don't get you where you want to go. But here's the, God is faithful. Our hope is in what Jesus will do, not what we can do. Not what we can accomplish. Not the milestones we can hit. That he is faithful and he will come through. He prophesied he would come. And then just like, just like Christmas Day, it feels like it's never going to come. And then you're just past it, and then it's finally here. That's the voice of God. Like, we, we've given up. I mean, we've been taken over by, we've been exiled, and we've been taken over by Greeks, and then Romans. And it's over. And then, out of nowhere, a baby's cry that God is faithful. G.K. Chesterton said in the struggle for existence, it is only those who hang on for 10 minutes after all is hopeless that hope begins to dawn. A lot of times, man, what, this yesterday, right? Hey, there's a new variant. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. And I, we, uh, there's a thousand and one opinions on that already, I'm sure. But whatever your opinion is, you're just like, man, again? More, when? When does it end, Lord? When does it stop? When? Our hope isn't in that. Our hope is not in what medicine will do, though medicine is awesome. Our hope is not in what our government will do, though government can be awesome. I don't feel like I'm seeing that right now, but they can be. Our hope isn't when we get to point whatever. Our hope is in Jesus, that he is faithful. And no matter how many variants come, I will hope. And I will hope again. Doesn't just prove that God is faithful, right? What did that verse say? It also says that He is firm. It says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. He is firm. God will fulfill His word. The Bible says He's not a man that He should lie. God is not like us. He doesn't say something and do something else. If He says you can hope in me, you can hope in Him. It is firm, it is secure, and it never has to move. Psalm 39, 7. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope is in you. I don't just love Christmas because, you know, presents, awesome, pretty lights. I hope because this is firm, a firm answer from God. You can trust me. 
I will fulfill my word. And not only that, from here, the whole life of Jesus, like he could have been killed. Do you realize the king sent a decree out that every boy under the age of three should be slaughtered because he could be the Messiah or the perceived Messiah. And I can't have that. Which is why they went to Bethlehem. Because God was protecting his infant son. God was protecting his word. Jesus is the living word. And God was protecting his word that his word will be fulfilled. He will live a perfect sinless life, die on the cross for our sins, and rise again and show that his word is firm. Nothing is going to get in God's way for his will for your life. It is firm. Say, well, I can mess it up. I would actually argue that you can't. You can reject it, but you can't mess it up. God's plan and purposes for you are not a set of keys that you can be like, oh man, I really should have had some kind of a Bluetooth thing on those so I didn't lose them so much. I lost God's purpose for my life. I can't remember. It must be in my other pants. No! That's not how this works. God, you can hope and set that hope firm. It's, it's not a wish. This hope in Jesus is not a Man, I, I really think God's going to work it out. No, this hope knows. This is a firm, secure knowing. He is who he says he is. He will do what he said he will do. He will come through. He, he will save the day. He is God. My hope is in him. It's not in what I can do. It's not in what I want to see accomplished. It's in Jesus. It's in the manger. It's in the cross. It's in the empty tomb. It's in the one seated at the right hand of the Father. It is in Jesus. I know. At the funeral where we lost our son, Seth. We worship for a moment. And there were a lot of people there. I don't remember how many. I, we didn't take a head count, but I remember there being a lot. I remember it overflowed into the foyer and to the doors. A lot of just love and support came out for us. As a matter of fact, I feel bad because years later, people were like, I remember I was there. And I'm like, I do not, but thank you. A, day, a lot of it was a blur. I don't remember what was said at the funeral. I don't. Matter of fact, I, I almost remember nothing about that service except this moment. My wife and I were sitting right there in the front row. And, you know, this day we can't. I can't remember who grabbed whose hand as we began to worship and who stood up first because she thinks it was me and I thought it was her. And now I think it was the hope of Jesus Christ who said, I... Like David said, I, he won't return to me, but I will go to him. I will. Not I, not I wish. I hope. My hope is I'm going home someday. He is, he's either coming for me or I'm getting to him. One way or another, Jesus is my hope. 
If you have lost all hope, then you have lost Jesus. The hope of the believer never moves. It's never gone. It's the last thing he said to us before he ascended into heaven. And I will never leave you or forsake you. Which seems weird, right? Hey, I'll never leave. So see you later. And then he ascends into heaven. Like, this seems like a contradiction. I don't get it. Like, because it doesn't look like you're staying. <laughs> but even here in this moment, he wasn't, he wasn't gone. He hadn't left. Matter of fact, that's the hope. Even in the story of Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah wasn't the victory that they had over the Greeks. It was that when they went into the temple and lit the candles, they had enough oil for maybe one night, and it lasted eight days till they could get more oil to burn in the temple, which that oil, that light, represented the hope that God was with them and his presence was in the temple. And they took hope in that he hasn't left us. He's not speaking, but he's not gone. That was, that's the hope of that moment. That's, that's why they celebrate Hanukkah. A lot of times we, we understand that. Right, and I, I would argue there's even something very, 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 uh, very pure still on God's the Jewish people, God's original chosen people. Right? How did Jewish people make it through the Holocaust, the Spanish Inquisition, and so much anti-Semitism? Right now in New York, they're being attacked for for reasons unknown. No, no reason. They're, they're this tiny little divot of a country about the size of New Jersey, surrounded by enemies, Israel is. Why are they not obliterated? No, they don't believe in Jesus and they're missing it there. And yet God still loves them. Because there's people. And he's crying out, you can hope in me. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. How do they hold on to that? They have a remnant, but more than they need Jesus, no argument about that. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But what I would tell you, what I would tell all of us is saying there's something in that. What, why are you even here in this moment? Are you just here because I heard about it? Oh, I think it's a good church. Oh, I've been here since the beginning. Oh, I, I, somebody told me. About it. I found it online. Maybe I'm, I'm not. None of that's untrue. But what if? What if just like my wife and I in the front row? What if it's not just you and circumstantial? What if it's the hope of eternity saying you can open me and it's secure, calling you out, saying, "Hey, put it, put it in Jesus and nowhere else." And not just that, it's not just a firm hope that we can stand on. He has a forecast. Nobody saw this coming. No one. No one of us saw, none of us saw 2020 coming, right? I sure didn't. I, I will say, looking back, I felt like something, something wasn't, something was off. Something was coming, but I had no clue what. Now we're all sitting in the aftermath of that and still in the in-between, right? It's not done. 
Some of us are like, it is done. Oh, it's done. It's over. And some of you are like, it's only just beginning. It's only just getting started. Super COVID is coming. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't hold tomorrow. But I know he does. He has a forecast and a plan. And it, it's better than the government's. Right? That verse says he is now the high priest forever. Forever. Hope in Jesus forever. Not what you can do. Not what you can accomplish. But in the one who holds tomorrow. Who knows what tomorrow is. Who sees it all. Thanksgiving night, like late after everybody left, my wife and I went out for a walk. And around the corner, one of our neighbors, I don't, I don't know who it was, but there's a paramedic and a fire department and an ambulance and police car. And I don't know what happened. Don't know who it happened to. On this special day, something went terribly wrong. I'm sure that wasn't in their plans. But God has a forecast and he knows what it is. Nothing takes him by surprise. Put your hope in the one who can actually fulfill it. Who is the fulfillment of it. Not, not just in what Jesus will do for you. In Jesus. Do you see the difference? If he doesn't heal you, it doesn't matter. I got him. Well, he's going to heal me, but even if he doesn't. But he will, but even if he doesn't. He's everything. It's him. He's got me, and I've got him. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Going back to, we mentioned the Holocaust. Corey Ten Boom, some of you might know the story. She ended up in a concentration camp. They hid and protected Jews from the Nazis, trying to guard their lives, and eventually they were caught and they were imprisoned. And they did survive. And there's this story, there's the story of the fleas. Actually, I think, I'm pretty sure this was from Corey Ten Boom. And they were saying, find always something to be thankful for. And I would, I, and, and that's what she meant, but it, it, taken even further, find something to always have hope in. And they were, she was a believer in Jesus Christ, Corey Ten Boom was. And, 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 and they said, well, I'm thankful. What are you thankful for? What could we possibly be thankful for in the midst of this horrific circumstance that we see no end to. I can't imagine being in a concentration camp. You've lost everything and almost everyone and there is no end in sight. The only end in sight looks very, very grim. And one of them says, be thankful for the fleas somehow. Why? Because that day, one of the, one of the commanders was going to kind of inspect their inspect their bunker 
But the commander, and, and if that commander came in and he was displeased for any number of reasons, that meant either torture or death. And when that commander came that day, it was so ridden with fleas that he was disgusted and wouldn't go in and left. And they found in that moment the grace of God and said, let's be thankful for the fleas. What seems like the very torture and disgusting thing among us, God used as our salvation. Corey Ten Boom's quoted the saying at one point, do not ask what, I can, what can I do, but what can he not do? What can God not do? Anything. He can do anything. He really can do anything. And he's, he's really into doing it. He's really into proving himself and showing off. As believers, we can never be without hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. In this season, some of you are facing a hopeless circumstance. Stop looking at the circumstance. Start looking at the fulfilled hope of Jesus Christ. Look at him. Stare at him. Gaze on him. Some of you, life is going good. Great. As I heard Rick Warren say once, though, he goes, I used to think life was a series of, a series of circumstances where you had good seasons and bad. And if you held out long enough in the bad season, the good ones came again. But now that he's lived long enough, he says there's two types of tracks, train tracks all the time. And there's the good and there's the bad right alongside it. Almost always. And you and I have now tasted just a little bit in the last few years between Corona and, and social media and 24-7 information available to us all. I, I was just listening yesterday that basically uh, psychologists and, and psychiatrists determined these are, these are designed with a dopamine hits for our brain that it actually takes over two weeks of not being on these in order to get our brains off of the physical addiction that we now all have to them. They've made us addicts. And, and not, what are we addicts of? We see hopelessness. Is there any day, has anybody ever had a day with your phone where it was all good news? Anybody? Just, I was scrolling. I never found anything bad. Everybody was kind and peaceful and, and good and understanding. No! What are we getting? We're getting a taste of what the world is all the time. And this God who knows all this, sees all this, feels all this says you can put your hope in me forget about all this because I've come and he's coming back and he's here right now you know ever since that day that season of our life 10 years ago when we when we lost him hopelessness at times feels like a, a close relative. When our kids get sick, I get really scared. When I get sick, I get scared. When there's not enough, 
when it's going really good, sometimes I can get scared because like you're just waiting. Well, what's the next thing? Some of you know what that's all about, right? And the God who knows how you feel and understands all that cries out from eternity, put your hope in me. Nowhere else. Not in your kids tomorrow. Not in a better president. Not in new governance. Not in medicine. Not in your personal health. Your immune system. None of that. Put it here in Jesus. Man, you will be filled with the awe and the wonder of what God does when he has all your hope. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.